check out the Drink and Farm merch shop. We keep the shop up to date with new and fresh items. And while you're there, be sure to check out the shirt of the month. Go to drinkandfarm.com slash shop and maybe snag a few items you've been eyeing for a while now. Shopping with us is an excellent way to support the podcast and get something new for yourself at the same time. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking today? So I made myself a fancy soda with Simple Goodness Sisters syrup, and it is their cranberry rosemary simple syrup. And I mixed it with some ice and ginger ale, and it's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like since this was our anniversary, I had to make something kind of fancy and bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> I was not that prepared, but it sounds like you're going to have a nice little sugar buzz from that beverage. Yep, for sure. (laughs) What are you drinking over there? So I am drinking a Bolt House Farms strawberry banana smoothie. Woo! Also a lot of sugar, but no added sugar. Mm. So there's that. (laughs) That counts for something. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Breakfast of champions. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Our drink peep this episode is our friend Natalie Quist, and she is at Cloud Lover Fiber over on the Instagram. So, cheers, lady. Cheers. Alrighty. So, happy anniversary. Yes. Happy anniversary to you, too. <laughs> I didn't send you a gift. I feel like I should have. Yeah. No, I dropped the ball on that, too. <laughs> so, our gift to each other is that we showed up this morning to record. That's right. And we haven't quit on each other, and it's been four years. So, I think that's quite a gift. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Let's see. Four years, 65 minisodes, 194 episodes, and 15 dive bars? Yeah. I can't remember. That one, that number I'm not so sure on. Yeah. It's been a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're on YouTube and Patreon. And yeah, we're kind of a little all over the place now. Yeah. And we sell merch and... <laughs> yeah. Pretty crazy to think that you just saw this world, this weird girl on Instagram and YouTube with the pink hair at the time. And you're like, this seems like somebody I want to do something with. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) Yes. So this one worked out. Thank goodness. So today we're going to celebrate by talking through some of the misconceptions maybe that we had or things we've learned since starting to do farm things because we've both been doing the farm thing for about five years now. Mm -hmm. So the podcast came about a year into it. Yeah. And we were both pretty green when we started out, but you definitely probably had less misconceptions than I did because you grew up in a farming (laughs) family. So like the things that I had in my head as ideas for how like a farming lifestyle 
would look were totally wildly different than yours because you already had an idea. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that I knew enough to get in trouble or I knew enough to like understand what I was getting into, even though the first animal we had here was chickens and I never had chickens. Like I knew enough of what it would take to do the thing. I just had to figure out the details. Yeah. And I think that that is how a lot of people end up is just not knowing like what the steps are going to be or the details. And I think it's really cool that you came from a semi-farming background because farming is in your family. I know you didn't farm specifically or your parents didn't, right? But your grandfather did. Well, my mom had to help. But yeah, it's it's on both sides, a variety of different things. And yeah, my mom actually met my dad at the grain elevator and she was covered in cow shit. And he just thought that was super hot. And then they went on a few dates and like three weeks later they were engaged. So. Oh my gosh, I love yeah. that so much. Oh gosh. So yeah, farming is pretty much in my DNA. I just didn't really tap into it until we moved here. Yeah, but. Chickens was still your gateway animal, just like it was with me. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and I was kind of forced into that situation because they came with a house, and I was like, all right, because goats were on my radar. Right. Chickens were not. (laughs) (laughs) So the first misconception that I had about moving to a farm was that working off-farm meant that I wouldn't be a real farmer. So I was trying really hard to create stuff to sell or that could make money so that someday I could quit my job and just farm full-time because I felt like I wasn't a real farmer if I wasn't just doing it full-time. Talking to you was one of the things that helped me overcome that misconception because you're a professional just like I am and work full time and still do this stuff. But then I also talked to Bethany from Aurora Blue Farm, Ohio, and she works part time off farm also, even though she has a flock of, gosh, I can't remember how many sheep she has, but she's got a legit amount of sheep. <laughs> yes, she does. Yes. And she said, and she told me, oh, well, most people that farm do some sort of work off farm also. And I was like, oh, really? So you mean, I can keep my job that I like and still farm as well. And I pulled some stats from the USDA on this because I thought it would be really interesting to people that didn't know this, or maybe some people are just starting out. But according to the USDA, over 52% of farmers have a primary occupation other than farming. So that means they work full time on top of farming. 61% worked some days off farm. And 96% of farm households derive some of their income from off-farm sources. Right. And that might be why there are so many mental health issues for farmers. And the suicide rate is so high for farmers because farming isn't necessarily a sustainable form of income, really dependent on what the economy is doing, too. So, So we say that as, yes, you can do this, too, but also it might be part of the problem, at least for my street corner. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that that is a good reminder that if you know that you need to work full time to maintain your lifestyle, you know, whatever that looks like, to make sure that you are doing something on your farm that you can do 
in addition to your full-time job without burning yourself out. Because that's essentially what it comes down to, right? All the burnout. Farming is an occupation of passion. (laughs) Yeah, you don't do it for funsies every single day. Like, you want to be doing something you're passionate about, but it's hard. Especially if you were very large-scale and very Mm. dependent on certain things. And, you know, grain prices are going up. Dairy prices are going down for the farmer, not necessarily for the consumer right now. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not good. So, yeah, that's just something to keep in mind. It shouldn't stop you if it's something you really want to do. But you should really, you know, be aware that you're not going to be able to... I I don't know who it is. I follow somebody that's like... I'm going to, like, her full-time job is selling microgreens. And she's constantly pushing that you don't have to work for all the time. You can just grow microgreens. And I think that feels like a really slippery slope to me because it really depends on your lifestyle and, like, how much, like, I couldn't, I couldn't probably sell microgreens and pay my mortgage because of how much my mortgage is. So, but if I lived on a tiny house in 10 acres, maybe. If I didn't have a mortgage, maybe I could. So I think it's really subjective and you have to think through like what you're willing to sacrifice or what you're willing to balance. Mm -hmm. We both, like you said, have full-time jobs and do this. So it's subjective to what you're able to tolerate and support with your family and everything. Yeah. I mean, I believe that she is probably working full-times just doing that. Yeah. But... It kind of feels like, (laughs) I don't want to say a scam because that's not right. Just feels a little like you're not seeing the whole picture necessarily. Well, and that's a possibility too, because like one of the things that you have to remember, and I think social media, blogs, and things like that were kind of what gave me that misconception that I could essentially farm or homestead and create income off of the multiple things I was doing on there. A lot of the people that do that full time they're actually deriving most of their income from the internet. So like selling courses, so like selling a course on how to do this thing that they do and make an income off of, or advertising revenue from blog pages or sponsorships from brands that want them to create recipes with the specific ingredients, you know, that those companies create that can be, you know, put into a recipe in addition to whatever they grow on their farms or homesteads or book deals for recipe books or how to homestead or homestead calendars. You're hustling. Yeah. And I mean, and all of that is a lot of work. That's not to discount all of that work. Oh, not at all. But I do think that if you maybe aren't paying full attention or realizing that those two things are going together to create a full income, that you can get the idea in your head that your farm will make all of the money that your family needs. (laughs) Right. Someone I really admire that's really transparent that I think you actually went and learned how to process ducks with her back when we first started the podcast. Brittany from, I think her handle now is Honey I'm Homestead. Mm Mm-hmm. They literally sold everything and live in a camper right now on a piece of property. Mm -hmm. And they're out there and they are just, you know, doing their thing. But they literally had to sell everything. I don't think any either of them work off farm. She just had another baby. She's got like four or five kids. Like, but she's so transparent about what it takes to live that way. 
And I really appreciate that honesty because I think it's really easy to get caught up in the social media, like, you know, the highlight reel. I like the accounts that show it all. Uh, Glastig Homestead's another good one for that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Barb. <laughs> oh, I do, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and Brittany's just the next county over um, from me, so she's not far from me at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I thought that one would be short, but we went on a tangent. But that's a good way to, like, just say it doesn't have to look one way. And, that's true. And yeah. you can do multiple things if... Just farming isn't sustainable for you. Well, and um, I also just want to caveat really quick that I don't say that to not be encouraging or to crush anybody's dreams, like by any means. It was just that for me, I realized that I wasn't able to sustain my lifestyle with just the income that we can possibly make here from actual farming, like actual growing crops and actual raising of animals. There are other ways that I will eventually supplement our income on our farm, but they will be like tourism related or maybe like some teaching related stuff. Like I do the podcast mastermind with Caitlin of the Rural Woman podcast, you know, stuff like that. So I just, I just wanted to throw that out there because I realized I felt kind of like a failure when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to stop my full-time work. But it turns out that I really enjoy my job, so I wasn't necessarily gunning for that. But I did feel a little like, well, why are all these other people able to do it and I can't? And then I realized that there was just more to the picture that I wasn't noticing. (laughs) Yes, good point. So what was one of your misconceptions that you had when you first started out? So I think one of them is... I don't really think it's necessarily maybe a misconception because like I knew this. I think maybe I just have a greater understanding and appreciation now that there's no really one right way to do things usually like some some things there probably are but like some things you need to do right but there are maybe different ways of approaching it like fencing <laughs> like there's definitely a way to do fencing to keep goats in. And there are ways not to. Like, you can't just do a couple strands of hot wire for your goats. Like, they'll figure they'll figure it out, yeah. most likely. Unless you have really well-behaved goats, and then you should probably be breeding them and selling them for an insane amount of money. <laughs> but there are different ways you can go about it. You can have somebody come install it for you. You can learn how to do it yourself. There's different types of fencing depending on your animals. You, you know, there's barbed wire, hot wire... Welded wire, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. So, the, and some people are going to have an opinion on what you're doing, but that's fine. Because if it works for you and your farm, that's what really matters. Another thing that might be more flexible is like the types of animals you want to raise for meat, dairy, eggs, whatever. There's different ways that you can raise cattle. You can grass feed them or you can feed them grain or you can do both. It's just really like your preference. And that's okay. And just be prepared, like I said, for people to have an opinion. But really, as long as it's working for you and it's fine for the animal, they can shove it. (laughs) (laughs) And we just give zero clucks about it. And that's why it's our motto. (laughs) Well, something else to keep in mind, too, like everyone lives in a different, like, 
climate and area of the country. And so like what you see work for one person might not work for you and your farm and your stuff. Like, I mean, especially when it comes to gardens, but it, that also plays in when it comes to taking care of animals. Cause let's face it, like Wisconsin just has different challenges than Arizona does when it comes to those things. Like weather-wise and season-wise. and Right. You know, the types of materials you use and how they're going to hold up in the weather. That's even something to consider. So, yeah, I just don't feel like you're doing it wrong necessarily because you just might be doing it different. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so what else did you have? So I always thought that when I moved to a farm, I would have to be an early bird to be a farmer. I'm not an early bird. It's not that, so it's not that I don't like getting up in the morning because I love seeing the sunrise, but during the summer, that can be really hard when the sun rises at six o'clock in the morning Yeah, (laughs) or almost like before six o'clock in the morning at some points. And I thought that I would have to get on that schedule, you know, go to sleep with the sun, wake up, you know, with the sun and It turns out that that is just not necessarily true. You can set your farm schedule up around your schedule within reason. I found that the truth is it's more about the length of time between when you do things than it is about like what the actual clock says, if that makes sense. So like milking is one of those examples. I have a mentor that milks her goats at like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. And then again, at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night, she's like a total night owl. I couldn't do that because I'm also not a night owl. I'm like a middle of the road kind of person. I'm a seven in the morning and like 11, 10 PM in bed kind of person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I was very relieved to find out that there were systems and tools in place to help with the early rising type of stuff, like the chickens want to be let out in the morning. So we have automatic dust to dawn coop doors, you know, stuff like that, so that the chickens can still be let out, but no one has to go out there at 545 in the morning in July. (laughs) Right. Well, that's, that's a good one. And I will say that probably depends on other things that you have to do, too. Mm -hmm. Like, if you work off the farm and you're not working remotely, Mm -hmm. you might have to be an early bird and get it done if you're the go-to person for that. But it is a little more customizable than most people think, because I think a lot of people think I get up super early, too. And I try to get out there at 730 in the morning. For the animals, regardless of the season, just because, you know, the nighttime hours are a lot longer Mm -hmm. (laughs) this time of year than the daytime hours, because typically we shut things down probably about 20 minutes before the sun sets. So when it's December and it's dark at five o'clock, I don't really want to go too long in between feedings and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I run things here. And I do need to be at my desk by like eight o'clock for my job. So I I do try to get out there kind of earlier than I would like to physically be outside in the cold. But yeah, it's not like 530 in the morning. Yeah. And the way that I set my day up is I usually sit down and do some work. And then I go out there and do my chores and stuff and then come back and sit back down. But I also get less meetings scheduled in my day than you do. So I have different, I have a different kind of flexibility. Yeah. But you're right. If you have to work off farm and you have an hour long commute, then 530 in the morning might be your only 
option. Yeah. <laughs> depending on your animals. Yeah, depending yeah. on your animals. Yeah, because there's lots of things that you can put in that do automatic, you know, feeding and watering and stuff like that. So then you can save a lot of your stuff for the afternoon when you get home. So that's nice, too. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk about that one because I wanted to encourage people who thought that they might not have time to do it or might not ha- think that they have the right schedule for farming. Like there are ways to, to make it happen because there's no one right time <laughs> to do it on a clock. Right. Maybe, maybe don't jump in with both feet and get like 30 dairy cows if you work off farm right away. Maybe don't do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you've done that sort of thing before. But yeah. Chicken's super easy. Like, any kind of poultry is super easy. But once you start getting into, like, the more manual stuff where you have to milk or hook up a milk machine, that's when it starts getting a little trickier. Yeah. I took Sunday off of milking because I still have nursing kids. So I just left the kids with the moms on Saturday night so that I can have a break. But once they're weaned, I won't be able to do that. I will have to milk every day if I want there to be milk. Until you're done. <laughs> Until I'm done, done. Yep. Yes. <laughs> so my next thing is, and this is probably the one that makes me laugh the most. If you decide to do the farm thing, not everyone is going to understand you or cheer you on. And that's okay. My family gets it because I grew up around it. They might laugh or roll their eyes, you know, now that I have over 20 goats right now with the kids and stuff, but they get it. Compared to my in-laws, they don't get it. <laughs> and and that's okay, because they didn't grow up that way. They live in the city. They like to vacation in Florida now that they're retired for a couple months. So they don't necessarily understand the part where we're tying ourselves down to the house all the time. Or, you know, we have to find a farm sitter if we want to go away for the weekend. And that that's actually a little trickier to do to find somebody that you trust. And it's 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 not as simple to just drop what you're doing and go do something and or stay the night at a hotel at a wedding an hour and a half away. Like, I'm going to have to pay for a hotel room and then pay somebody to come deal with my stuff here. So <laughs> there's that perspective of it. But then there's also going to be people that think you're a total badass and want you on their team if if the apocalypse happens because you know how to take care of animals and you know how to grow your own food. <laughs> and they just think that's the coolest thing ever. Sometimes it surprises me when people are like, wow, like, I don't know how you work full time and do all that. And I'm like, wow, I don't know how you work full time and have five kids running around your house all the time. Like, so it's just really like a perspective thing and, and what you're used to. But I encourage you to listen to the people that think you're a badass and just kind of tune out the ones and smile and nod for the ones that maybe don't understand or make fun of you or don't cheer for you because there's enough of that crap in the world <laughs> that you don't need to be tuning into it. You know, you can be respectful and just nod and smile like I do and just go on about your day. Yeah. I'll never forget one of my first conversations with friends that weren't farming. They're from the suburbs where I had moved from. And they were just like, oh, well, I just like pick all that stuff up from the grocery store. I don't understand why you would want to work so hard 
for it. And I'm like, well, it's just because I enjoy doing it. I enjoy the act of it. And I enjoy the knowledge. I'm a knowledge collector. That I'm a skills collector. That's what I like to do. And everyone has different hobbies and different things that they enjoy doing. And this happens to be one of mine. <laughs> and it's probably one of the better skill sets that one can gravitate towards, too, too. Because, I mean, we all saw a lot of empty shelves during the pandemic. And there were a lot of supply chain issues where maybe you couldn't get something that you needed. So from that perspective, too, I think maybe people are starting to understand a little bit more and maybe they want to kind of learn those skills, too, just in case they need them. But we are in such a land of convenience here, especially in the United States and having, you know, being able to Amazon Prime something and get it either the same day or the next day. Like, it's really easy to fall into that consumerism trap in general, in the convenience trap. So I think it does kind of jar people sometimes when they do think about all the extra work <laughs> for both animals and plants. I mean, plants are finicky AF too. So totally understand why they wouldn't want to necessarily try. Yeah. And you know, one of the other things that I always tell people when they don't understand, especially the garden type of stuff is like during the summertime, we get to cook with so many amazing things that like just aren't on the shelves, you know, different types of lettuces and greens and herbs. And I mean, it's just because they aren't super common or they're considered more specialty, but like we get to enjoy all of those things. And I think that that's something really cool because I think it, it, it helps open up my view of, you know, like what's edible and what you can do with stuff. And, you know, and I crave things that I can't necessarily get at the store and different kinds of peppers, especially peppers, tomatoes, and greens are my three favorite things because the options at the grocery store just are not the same to me as what I can grow in the garden. You're not as good. Let's just be honest. They're not Uh -uh. as good. Nope. They taste like garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Compared to what? Compared to like fresh out of your garden, same day. Yeah. Eating grocery store tomatoes right now just makes me really sad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. I feel like a little bit of a vegetable snob at this point. But that's what happens when you learn new skills and can grow your own stuff. I'm reeling you into my food snobbery. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. All right, what's next on the list? Well, okay, so one of the things that I always struggle with the most is confidence. It's something that I'm working on internally a lot. And when I first got here, I was really concerned that I wouldn't be able to do what was necessary when it's hard or scary. And I see that repeated a lot on social media. You know, something will happen and then someone will make a comment like, oh, I can't believe you were able to do that or I would never be able to. And I think after some of my worst fears coming true more than once, especially more often lately, I have realized that I've not frozen in fear and I've been able to act and do the things that needed to be done. And I've come out the other side a little stronger and wiser and maybe just a little more coming from a place of, you know, sometimes 
things just happen and there's not necessarily a reason. There's not necessarily anything I could have done differently for a different outcome. But I used to think that I was always in control of everything and that I could make a good income. (laughs) I could make a good, you know, outcome by acting ahead, mostly just worrying about things. It turns out that was just like a pretty extreme form of anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I think it was like a podcast I heard. You only control like 3% of what happens to you in a day. I feel like when you have a farm, that's probably like (laughs) 1.5%. It kind of goes down a little lower than that. Yeah. I think it's a really beautiful thing to be able to learn even though it's not fun when it's learned the hard way that you can only do so much and things are going to happen because you can apply that logic to so many different areas in your life too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this too, I think about it in, at least from my perspective, I think sometimes when I get that, Oh crap, I'm going to be frozen in fear thing. And then I, you follow through and it's fine. A lot of this is just instinct and, you learn and you read, but also like our ancestors knew how to do a lot of this stuff too. Like, and they didn't have the fancy tools. Maybe they didn't have a vet in the area. So some of it, I almost wonder if it's just animal instinct (laughs) for us that we kind of know what we need to do. But I will say I've seen you gain confidence in so many areas since we started the podcast that it has been really cool to see you like really grow and get just I saying like the same word over and over again, but more confident in yourself and in your abilities. So yeah, I think you're saying I still need some work there, but I feel like you've done so much work already. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm feeling like I'm in a really good place right now as well. And over the weekend, we actually had like, I think out of all the things that I've been afraid of, we definitely had my most top of mind fear come true. Spirit was our last goat to kid and two of her babies didn't make it. And we don't know why. There's just no explanation. And like having barn cams, I thought would help, you know, like avoid those kinds of things. But it turns out that there are just some things that happen. And and I wasn't there when they were born. So I have no idea if things would have been different if I had been there to help. We weren't out there super late. It had happened relatively recently by the time we got out there. And I actually, I wasn't home. I was five minutes down the road. We were doing a Girl Scout cookie booth and the girls were asking me about the goats. And I was like, oh yeah, we have barn cameras here. I can show them to you. And I open up the barn camera and Spirit's standing there with three babies around her. And I was like, oh my gosh, Spirit had our babies. I've only been gone for an hour. How is that possible? And And I'm looking at the camera and I'm like, oh, look, she did have three. I was right. And I'm like, there's no movement over there. Something's not right. So I called Jared and Jared ran out there and then he called me. So I I drove home and yeah, there was like, by that point, there was just nothing that could be done. And it's really likely that they were just born that way because I've, I've seen baby goats be born and they're, they're relatively strong when they first come out. So like if they had been alive, they would have gotten up, you know? So it's just, yeah, they were just still all stretched out and like nothing. So, so we buried them right away, which felt like good closure. And we realized that it'll be okay when things like that happen. You know, we won't 
crumble up and not, you know, be able to keep moving forward and or let that fear that it'll happen again, stop us from doing this more. Because she did have one that lived and she is an adorable little spitfire. (laughs) And I have no idea how the two pound little doling lived and then the two perfect full term, almost five pound babies just didn't. Yeah. It's nature. No rhyme or reason sometimes. Yeah. I mean, they could have just, the way they were born, maybe, gotten a lot of fluid in their lungs or something, or they didn't, it, yeah, it's just, or they just, she ate something, but that doesn't seem right either if one of them was okay. So, yeah, you just don't know. Mm, yeah, it's impossible to tell without, like, an autopsy or something. And Right. I decided not to do that. You'd have to drive so far to, to do that, yeah. <laughs> I do, yeah. I thought, it, I thought it was better for us to just do closure. And so we ended up with seven healthy baby goats, like our first real kidding season. Like that's, yeah, it's amazing. I'm just super thankful for that. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we got one more. Yeah, I do. I have one more and it's mine. And it's something that I struggled with a lot when I first started doing this, because when I came here and decided to homestead and farm, had some really specific goals in mind. And one of them was that I was going to grow and raise and preserve all of the food that my family ate. And that would make me a real farmer, a real homesteader. (laughs) That's a big goal. It's a big (laughs) goal. And here's the thing. So like, I'm not saying that you can't do it. Just like, you know, back to the whole, you, you can't make an income, like only on your farm. Like you can, or just other things that might need to come into play. You can do that if that really is what your goal is. But the truth is, like, I just literally do not have enough hours in the day to do all of it. I want to enjoy the things that I do. So I've shifted that goal to grow and raise everything that we consumed to grow and raise all of my own farm dreams. Like, that's what I want to do instead. Plus, I really don't want to have to grow and process sugar and flour. And I really like eating those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the beautiful thing about the homesteader community is that is probably somebody's jam somewhere. So like, that's something that you could go elsewhere to get. I think you don't you buy your flour from the Amish too? I do. I'm pretty sure that they just buy it at Sam's Club though. <laughs> Oh, they're so smart. See, they even know that it's not worth doing everything. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. And like, and I think one of the things that kind of opened me up to it was seeing the Amish and the Mennonite community. Like, you know, the Mennonites will never use their iPhones in front of you. But at all the girls that work in the bakery, every single one of them have an iPhone in the pocket of their cardigan, you know, that's hanging up (laughs) in the back room. And they, they have flour and sugar and all of those things delivered. And I've watched the Amish and the Mennonites fill their shopping carts at our, we have a store that's like in their community. And that's where I get the 25 pound bags of flowers. They buy Doritos and frozen taquitos and like, you know, all like all of that stuff. And all the good stuff. Yeah, all the good stuff. And I think that that was one of the things that kind of started to open my eyes. But then also, just as time went on, like I realized I was really missing out on some really cool, like international flavors when I was limiting my diet to only things that, you know, we could grow and raise and stuff. And I just decided that that wasn't really what my goal was anymore. 
I can still make, you know, great choices. We're really lucky. We live in a place where our food supply chain, you know, is really safe for the most part. You know, they have some issues with lettuce and meat every now and then. But when you think of how many pounds of food are, you know, produced and sent to grocery stores on an annual basis, you know, it's not a huge percentage. So Mm -hmm. you can be a farmer and a homesteader and still buy Doritos. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. So that's it. That's all that I had. Yeah. We have all kinds of critters needing a little extra warmth this time of year in the Midwest. Between the baby goats and the kickoff of chick days at various farm stores, you really want to be prepared with Sweeter Heater. Sweeter Heater has no hot spots and develops a uniform heat pattern. It's designed to warm the animal, not the environment, and is fully adjustable to maintain the ideal comfort level. It provides a safe, soft, gentle infrared radiant heat to your farm friends. You can also use Sweeter Heater in whelping areas, kennel runs, farrowing units, dog and cat houses or crates, and for bird and reptile cages. So go to sweeterheater.com and use code Drink and Farm to get 15% off one or more heaters. All right. Well, that wrapped up all of our fun stuff. Feel free to go to our Facebook group, We Drink and We Farm Things, and maybe share some of your misconceptions that you had when you got into some homesteading activities or maybe some of your lessons learned because we'd love to hear some of those. We definitely would. And be sure and leave us a review because every week we read an Apple podcast review here on the show or we play a review if you've called and left it on a voicemail. And then at the end of the month, we pick a mug winner that will win our exclusive I drank, I farmed, I gave zero clucks (laughs) coffee mug every month. So Sam, would you like to announce our winter, our our winner, winter, hold on. Our winter winner, (laughs) our February review winner from this winter (laughs) is T. Powell 1030. Yay! So reach out to us on the Instagram, give us your full name and address, and we will send you your coffee mug. Yep. Or you can send us an email at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. All right. So just a few things before we go today. We do want to remind you that we have an awesome series over on our Patreon called Straight No Chaser. And this is available to our patrons at the $5 level and above. So for more information, you can go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm and get signed up at that $5 level or above. We have all kinds of levels that give you all kinds of cool stuff. And it's a great way to support the podcast because this this is a lot of work and we hire people to help. Yeah. Four years, so many episode numbers that I listed earlier and two yeah. team members. It's yeah. <laughs> Can't forget Max and Katie. That's right. Goodness. Without them. We'd be hot messes without them. <laughs> yeah. You guys would not get, be getting this stuff on time if it wasn't for them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so make sure you go take a look at the show notes. You'll find links to an anonymous survey to tell us how we're doing, all of our social media goodness and our merch shop. Our awesome anniversary shirt of the month is out. Yes. Uh, Sam is wearing it for the YouTube. <laughs> she just... Did. I just did like the Superman thing. Yeah, was it Superman? I was thinking like you're like 
Marilyn Monroe type Man, of. Oh, I am not feeling like Marilyn Monroe lately. I'll tell you guys that much. <laughs> but yes, I just did like a little, I flashed the camera, but didn't really flash you guys. So you're welcome. Yeah. It was, it, she flashed the shirt design. Yeah. I'm here to entertain. <laughs> we put that design on like everything because it's special. It's our anniversary. So yeah. <laughs> So tank top, t-shirt, long sleeve shirt, hoodie, and coffee mug. You're welcome. All the things. So that's it. And until next time. Drink. Farm. And and give zero clucks. Bye now. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm.